Like a lot of you, some of my big life questions resurface towards the end of each year. You might notice yours on the drive to work or during your morning shower. Mine appear on my morning walk or when I'm out for a drive. Lately, there have been two questions vying for attention. Both popped up a little while ago after I walked my son Tommy to school. In seeking to answer them, though, I noticed that both are something of a trap, eliciting reflex responses instead of truthful ones. The two questions that I'm talking about are, number one, what do I value? And number two, who am I living for? G'day, it's Peter, and welcome to Office Anywhere, a podcast about working and living on your terms, whether that's cutting code on the deck of a Balinese villa, crafting ad copy from a cafe in Portland, Oregon, or building websites from a home office in Melbourne, Australia. If you've had enough of the daily commute and the limitations that working in an office imposes, or you're already working remotely, but you want to explore some of the doors that it opens for you, then this is the podcast for you. To learn more about Office Anywhere, just go to officeanywhere.co. They're simple little questions, less than five words each. Yet the answers can have a profound effect on our lives. If we're not asking them and then thinking deliberately about the answers, life will hand us a bunch of shitty ones like, for example, what do I value? Buying a new truck, getting that promotion, getting more followers, being admired or respected or envied, being fashionable, looking like I've made it. And the other question, who am I living for? My boss, my followers, celebrities, influencers, mentors, big corporations, marketing agencies, my fragile little ego. I have a habit of writing long posts on my website. So let's just look at the first question today. We can tackle the second one some other time. Anyone who's been around me a while knows that I'm someone who hates small talk. I abhor groupthink and I live by the mantra that the majority is usually wrong. So when I'm tempted to answer a question quickly because it's easy or it's obvious, I have to collect myself and say, hang on, is that the real answer? Just this morning, I finished reading a book written by an amazing friend of mine. I think this is the third or fourth time I've read it as he's continued to refine and develop the content. It's called Happiness, The Ultimate Goal. And in it, John asks some simple but powerful questions. The most profound but equally deceptive one is, who am I? Like, what do I value? It's a question that triggers a catalogue of reflex responses. And likewise, most of them are incorrect or only half-truths. For example, the answers many of us would give to my first question, which was what do I value, would be things like my family, my health, my career, my home, honesty and integrity, the environment, political stability, the freedom to love who I want, the choice to have a child or not, the freedom to choose my religion, the freedom to choose my sexuality, the freedom to become all I can be, things like that. John says that the question, who am I, is our most persistent question. It's something that we ask consciously and unconsciously throughout the day, and it directs everything we do. In my opinion, the questions, who am I and what do I value, both seek to deliver three things. First, meaning. In other words, what actually matters. Number two, purpose. In other words, what should I be doing? And number three, happiness, being in love with life. If we know what we value, and if we can truly grasp who we are, We can then know what to do, what to think, and how to respond to pretty much any situation. We're able to face the world and all its complexity and contradiction with confidence and grace. We can become the cause in our lives. So the question becomes, 
How do we prove to ourselves that we really do value something? The answer is we devote a sizable portion of our time or money, which is usually an exchange of time anyway, to that thing. That's how we prove it. It's not how often we think about it. It's not what we say about it. It's not even what we believe about it. Ultimately, it's how much focused time and attention we give to it that determines something's value to us. For example, it's one thing to care about a 16-year-old girl or a 60-year-old man sitting homeless on the corner of Burke and Russell Street. It's another thing entirely to stop for a moment, to offer them some words of comfort, and to then reach into your pocket and give them as much of your money, in other words, time, as you can. Here's another one. Both America and the UK are more openly divided now than they've been in years. As a citizen, this might concern you, and perhaps you have strong views about it. However, if you don't get out and vote or talk to people or organise, perhaps you don't value your country's political fate as much as you think. Elie Wiesel said, We must always take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. I could go right down the list that I mentioned earlier and ask how much time, money and attention you give to the things you value, and I bet some would be questionable. I know we all have work to do, bills to pay, clothes to fold, dishwashers to stack, there's stuff that has to get done, and there are only 24 hours in a day. But we all have the same 24 hours, and just like money, it's up to us where we spend them. Almost everything we do is a choice. We might not like the outcomes, but the choices remain. So, I believe that what you value determines what you do. I realised many years ago that time was my most precious and finite asset. From that moment, I made the decision to make decisions deliberately. Here's how it's played out so far. First, I don't spend time with anyone I don't want to. I don't care who they are, the occasion or what protocol I'm breaking. If I don't value their company, I won't give them my time. Two, I don't go to meetings unless I believe it's the best way to produce the desired outcome. Most meetings are a waste of time and betray the reasons we give for having them. Three, I don't commute because I'd rather see my kids before and after school and because my most productive times shouldn't be wasted in traffic. Four, I value autonomy, flexibility and freedom over status, job title or recognition. You'll notice I don't mention money here. That's because freedom and money are not mutually exclusive. You can reject corporate protocols and linear career paths and actually make more money. I work how, where and when I like, not to be precious or vexatious, but because it produces the best outcomes. I'm more energised, creative, productive and happy. It simply works. And... When Friday's forecast is a sunny 23 degrees Celsius, which is about 73 Fahrenheit, I know I can take my convertible into the hills and work beside a lake. And that, to me, is priceless. You know, it's only a short life, and as far as I know, it's a one-time deal. So why cede control to someone else? I'd rather have agency over my well-being than get tossed around like a leaf in the wind. Most people live by circumstance, not conviction. They lead lives of quiet desperation. Making deliberate decisions about where and with whom we spend our time is life-changing. It is the one thing we must control if we want meaning, purpose and happiness. So my question is, what do you value? Anyway, that's enough for me for this week. Thanks for hanging out with me again. And until we chat again next week, here's to working and living on your terms. Catch you then. See ya. See ya.